The following presentation has been brought to you by HSF Productions. Making their way to the studio, representing the wrestling capital of the world, Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, your hosts of the Impromptu Wrestling Podcast, Towley and Damien. Hey guys, welcome back to IWP, the Impromptu Wrestling Podcast. We are your host, I'm Tally 6 Over to my right, once again, is my brother Damien. How's it going this week? I'm doing fantastic. And uh, this week, I'm in your studio. Is it going to be a good time? Yeah. No, it's uh, one of those rare episodes that we get to do live and in color. I can see you. I can throw something at you if you're saying something wrong. Or <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, we got a great show for you guys. It was a big week. There's some huge news that we'll get into in Breaking Kayfabe. Of course, commentary desk and putting it over as Always, but without any further ado, let's get right into the show. It's time to take a look at the headlines and rumors from outside the ring. It's Breaking K-Fade. So last week, Dynamite was in Rochester, New York, Brody Lee's hometown. Uh, it was a memorial show of sorts. October 7th, which was just a couple days ago, or is today? October 7th. <laughs> yesterday. Is yesterday, as we're recording here on a Friday night, uh, is the a- actual one-year anniversary since Brody Lee's passing. Um, I thought AEW was amazing in the situation. You heard CM Punk talk about it a lot, and one of the biggest reasons that he wanted to come to AEW is because the locker room and the backstage didn't release that Brody was even sick. A lot of people knew, a lot of people that were close, but they didn't release that, and that's something that CM Punk really enjoyed. So I thought this past year, AEW absolutely nailed it when it came to handling a loss of one of their top stars. Absolutely. I, I think every sort of situation that aw has been under they've handled really well uh, i'm thinking you know things like um uh what was uh the the british guy i can't even remember his name it was so long jimmy ago. havoc yeah jimmy havoc yeah. you know like that there was just no tolerance for you know what was going on there uh sammy guevara getting somewhat suspended and having to do his time and whatnot so every sort of issue that comes up aw kind of nails and yeah they handled the the Brody lee uh, passing and the anniversary and keeping him in everybody's thoughts just fantastic and keeping negative one a part of the show he's been back and forth on the show and and, and whatnot a lot speaking of negative one making his independent wrestling debut this week coming out to help uh uno and grayson in a in a match in an was it mlw or yeah i think it was an mlw uh show up in new york so that's really cool did you did you happen to catch that or i didn't know but i'll have to is that on youtube yeah yeah it's definitely on youtube we'll check it out after uh moving on 
it's it's official. It was it was official going before Dynamite, but it was made official afterwards. Bobby Fish hashtag All Elite. We mentioned it last week when we were talking about like where is Bobby Fish signed? He's talking about coming through the Forbidden Door. We didn't know. Now we know he is hashtag All Elite. What are your thoughts on Bobby Fish joining the locker room? I mean, Bobby Fish was in WWE. He obviously has skills to make it at the big time so i think he's gonna add that caliber uh, to the roster and uh, i think he's a fairly decent talker as well so i think he's well-rounded and i look forward to see kind of his what his first feud is going to be i feel like with adam cole roderick strong and kyle o'reilly in the undisputed era bobby fish didn't really get a chance to express his character work as much. He was really just the workhorse, kind of the uh, Ollie Anderson of the Four Horsemen, if you will. He's just there to to take names and kick ass, right? Um, unfortunately, injury-ridden career in NXT, but uh, hopefully that knee is, is strong and uh, he's got a bright future in AEW. I can't wait to see... What's going to happen with them? He had a great match with Sammy this week that we'll talk about a little bit later. But, I mean, the question on everybody's mind is, is Adam Cole going to get involved? Is Bobby Fish going to be in the elite? Or is that just another another uh, friend to cut loose? Like, that's, that's a compelling story, too. Right. Uh, Bobby Fish might be a good compadre for... Elite Hunter, Frankie Kazarian. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. He, was he wearing the brace? I didn't even notice if he was wearing the, the brace on his you knee. You know what? He wasn't wearing, like, the big stone cold brace, but his knee was, he had, like, a compression style brace on, okay. I think, and it was taped up. But I don't think he's using the big stone cold Steve Austin knee brace anymore. Like, he wasn't. That, that's what that's called officially? Or? Yeah. <laughs> he, he made it famous. Uh, Statlander's got a Steve Austin knee brace right now. So. Uh, that's good shit. And then the big news, the the biggest news I feel of the of the week is wow, the women of wrestling is returning and it's coming to network television. Uh, wow, in the in the few years that it was in existence prior to the pandemic, it was on a very niche station. I think it was available in Canada on access, similar to uh, Impact Wrestling. But now it's coming to network TV. It's got a TV deal with Viacom CBS. I have no idea what that means. I'm assuming that's, you know, CBS, but we'll see if they throw it on. I think Paramount Network is, is part of that. So we'll see what channel it's actually on. But with the announcement of them coming back, they announced some talent that are going to be involved. And surprisingly enough, former WoW champion Tessa Blanchard is a free agent no more. What are your thoughts with Tessa's history and the rumors of her coming to back to, you know, coming to AEW, maybe going to WWE, and then, you know, the, the reports of her locker room behavior come out and she almost gets blacklisted finally finds a home what are your thoughts on tessa joining wow yeah it is a big shocker and i mean good for for wow because i, I think you need a like a really big name 
just like AEW did, you know, they got a Chris Jericho. That's what you need. And uh, to get Tessa, I think, is going to immediately get some eyes on this promotion. Yeah, I'm super excited about WoW. I've I've always, I've always said that, you know, even Vanilla Brand, they should have a specific show that's just women's wrestling. To give them that extra time to to do the character work and stuff that they sometimes don't get time to do on the weekly show, a lot of people think that's that's a, that's a sexist remark because, well, why can't we just do it on the big show? And I mean, I I agree with that too, but there's not always a, a lot of time. Why not have your own show? We I never got a chance to watch WoW when it was on because, like I said, it was on a weird station that I don't think. Uh, I ever had access to. So now that it's coming on to network television, I'm really excited to check out like an all women's production to see how, how well it goes. It sounds like joining the executive backstage presence is AJ Mendez. And if you don't know, if you're not familiar with that name, this is AJ Lee, Mrs. Brooks, you know, whoever, however you want to April. <laughs> this is huge. AJ Lee coming back to wrestling only a few months after CM Punk comes back to wrestling. So this is really cool. It's a bit heartbreaking that she's not going to be in AEW because I, I would have really loved that. I, I hope we get this this channel or whatever this is going to be playing on. Hopefully it's playing somewhere in Canada um i've really missed aj lee she uh, i didn't see her very long in wwe when i started watching again and uh yeah she stole my heart so can't wait to see her aj has done the general manager character before so just because she's not in a wrestling capacity doesn't mean she can't be on camera you know, so I, I'm really excited to see what AJ is going to bring to WoW. And I mean, <laughs> the with, with all the balls that WWE have, have dropped in the last two years, I mean, and we're talking Malachi Black, Bray Wyatt, Adam Cole, you know, losing CM Punk in a way, Brian Danielson, Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman. Honestly, the biggest ball to drop has signed with WOW. Izzy the Bailey girl is hashtag WOW. What like what are your initial thoughts on this? I mean, biggest face in the company right now. 100%. And there hasn't even been a show yet. <laughs> yeah, 100%. She she is going to be that I don't know like who who would you compare to in AEW that was that kind of signing that was just over from the get-go they haven't even done anything and no one really knows that, or seen them do anything yeah that'd like be a, like, like a Rio or something yeah or even a orange cassidy type thing like if if you know you know but the majority don't know yet uh i'm super excited seen pictures on instagram of her standing next to tessa blanchard this girl's only 17 years old or something and i mean she's not small She's standing next to the former Impact World Champion and, and, and looking like she belongs. I'm super excited for Izzy uh, to be a professional wrestler, finally. Yeah, and, and we're, you might be thinking, okay, well, how did WWE drop the ball on this? Uh, she's done nothing. Um, she's really just known as the girl in the crowd. But 
to me, she's a marketing person's dream because you don't really have to do much. Uh, sort of market this. Like, people know who she is. If you know WWE, which, I mean, I, I should say if you know NXT because it was the brand. Right. And, yeah, I mean, I kind of feel like we, we, we talked about her potentially when we learned that she was training and, and she was working out and, and wanting to actually be a professional wrestler, AEW needs to pick her up because, yeah, she did have that that uh, branding power. And I, maybe that's a drop ball from AEW's standpoint as well. But it's true. She's untested and, and whatnot. But, yeah, interesting to see. So huge news coming out of, uh, wow, like that's all I can say is just, wow, it's it's awesome. I'm super excited for uh for the new company on the block. Now sending it over to the commentary desk. We had some absolutely huge matches this week uh, across Dynamite and Rampage. We just finished watching it uh, just less than an hour ago. But let's get right into it. First matchup of the night. I mean, this was a coin flip for match of the week, similar to last week. Bobby Fish versus Sammy Guevara. Bobby Fish's AEW debut uh, for the TNT Championship. This was an absolute banger of a match. It was an awesome way to, you know, kick the week off in a way. Um, was this the first match of the week? I, I can't even remember, but uh, it, it was a, it was an awesome match. These guys worked really well together. It was the second match of the week, but uh, yeah, Bobby Fish looks. I mean, we talked about the knee a little bit and breaking kayfabe. It's looking good. He's not wearing the brace. It, it looks like he's moving. Um, they gave him a lot of time, you know, for for two guys uh, and a debut. Like, what's Bobby Fish done for AEW? But they gave him the time, and they worked out a really cool match. And and uh, yeah, I'm. S- just again, super excited about Bobby Fish joining joining the roster. Yeah, this was a typical AEW type debut, and what I mean by that is that they they didn't do anything crazy, especially for two guys who probably never locked up before or locked up, you know, very few times. I mean, I don't know this for sure, but I'm 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 just guessing that their paths probably didn't cross too many times in the indies um so yeah this was just not that it not that it was like you know sammy did his sammy things and and bobby fish did what he does he's a bruiser and it just worked uh i thought it was a really great match yeah it it, it showed it showed a lot of the um why can't I think of the word right now? Not controversy, but um, adversity that, you know, I mentioned it last week. Sammy kind of walked through Miro. You know, he took a beating, but I mean, those last two and a half minutes of that match, it was all Sammy kind of really walked through. Bobby Fish kind of seemed to put up a, an actual fight against uh, Sammy Guevara, which is is good to see because... You know, it makes it more believable that, you know, because Sammy is a smaller guy. So, yeah, really great match between these two. Sammy Guevara starting his TNT Championship run off uh, with a bang. Gets the win, of course, retains. 
immediately interrupted by American top team as they're starting to do this thing where they kind of swarm the ring from the crowd and all different directions. There's a lot of guys in this group, in this faction, if you, if you will, I mean, technically is they're, they're kind of running themselves like a gang, uh, which is, which is awesome. They come out immediately start attacking Sammy, uh, Junior Dos Santos is is kind of the the leader, I guess you can say, as opposed to uh, Lambert, but like the the one leading the charge in the attack, and uh, he looked like he was maybe stiffing those forearms that he was given to Sammy. It's like okay, so you're you're not throwing punches, is what he's told in the back. You know, you just kind of drive the forearm. And and whatnot, but he looks like he's like following through. Where mainly they kind of just let them slide off, you know, as they're turtling and stuff like that. So it looked it looked like a pretty gruesome little beatdown from Dos Santos. Yeah, I totally noticed that as well. And I'm I'm wondering if you know they told these guys in the back, like you know, like we can take we can take things. So don't you know fight with us. It's it's not about that kind of thing. Um, they weren't doing, you know, outright fists for sure, but I, yeah, he's quite a large man compared to to Sammy, and uh, it, it looked like it was it was pretty shoot there for <laughs> for a few moments. Yeah, for sure. And uh, Fuego coming out to save his buddy. We we saw. I mean, we could c- kind of mention the little the little spot that we saw beforehand. Uh, I get what they were going with with the you know. I won the t- the TNT championship. I, I'm giving you this new truck to, you know, for your car. But I mean, Fuego kind of dropped the ball in in the acting department there. <laughs> what did you think of that little that little uh, promo spot before the match? I mean, I thought it was I thought it was pretty funny. Um, I'm concerned about Fuego. Uh, he might have a gambling issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So Fuego comes out for the save. I mean, that's not really who you want backing you up, but, I mean, a, a friend is a friend. You, you can't argue that. He's there for Sammy. Uh, again, Junior uh, gets a hold of him and, and lays in some some stiff shots. Um, there was that other guy with the neck tattoo was out there. He was throwing some stiff shots on Fuego. Uh, Scorpio Sky finally gets a hold of him and gives him a pretty nasty-looking, uh, like, elevated backbreaker of some sort. So that was pretty nasty. While this is all going on, I'm like, where is Jericho and Hager and all this? Like, where's Inner Circle? Sure enough, uh, Judas hits and and Jericho and Hager come out, evens things up. American Top Team kind of kind of gives them the ring, and then we get uh, a promo back and forth, if you will. And you know, Judas is being summed by the crowd. Lambert's trying to interrupt the crowd. The crowd totally winning the the spot over. I thought it was really cool. I thought if anybody could, you know, get the crowd to shut up, it would be Lambert. He tried his best, wouldn't it? Did just didn't happen. Yeah, and what, what did you think about uh, Jericho's mic going out? I'm thinking accidental. Did this ruin? The segment, or did Jericho save it? I am still kind of undecided on that. Yeah, I might need to watch it again. I think it was an accident. Jericho was pretty hyped up, and I think he just turned the mic off because it was a pretty quick switch. I don't know how many mics Justin Roberts has sitting at the timekeeper spot, but there was a really quick switch, so I wonder if it was just 
Jericho's finger slipped and hit, and hit the microphone switch or something. But I, I'm trying to remember back. I think he saved it with, you know, going right to the crowd and, you know, calling out Billy and the crowd totally popped. I don't think the, the in arena crowd didn't seem affected by it at all. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that sounds about right. Yeah. And that's classic Jericho. He's yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. Uh, Lambert announces or reminds everybody that dynamite AEW will be in Miami next week. And finally a challenge is set out, you know, from Lambert to Jericho. We're finally going to see these two factions, if you will, American top team inner circle clash. It will be a six man tag match in Miami. Jericho Hager, Sammy Guevara, Versus Men of the Year, Scorpio Sky, Ethan Page, and making his pro wrestling debut, Junior Dos Santos. And we've seen how he works. He's, he's a stiff worker. Let's just say that. Um, what are your expectations out of Junior? We've seen MMA guys come in before. Brock Lesnar. Well, Brock Lesnar was kind of a pro wrestler before he went into MMA. But he's come back and, and fell right, you know, right in the bike. It, it was a pretty smooth transition back. But then we see Kane Velasquez, Ken Shamrock, you know, they're, they're Kurt Angle in a way. There's a lot of these truly trained fighters that have come into the professional wrestling world and, and made it work. Kane, you could argue, he was working with a fellow MMA guy in Brock Lesnar, so maybe that saved some of the mistakes that he would have made because they tried to make it look as much as like a shoot fight as possible. But what do you, what do you think in junior is going to bring to the table here? Well, we saw two different sides of junior here. We, we saw the, the beat up of Sammy that looked pretty legit. Uh, you know, he had him mounted and all of that. So it's kind of hard to screw that up. But then when Jericho gets in here, it's almost as if junior forgot how to, how to throw punches and (laughs) it was like slap like a girl club and uh he he looks rather wimpy compared to jericho uh from this at least that's the opinion i have so um yeah it will depend which one comes out and how they kind of use them is he going to be doing a lot of wrestling style moves or is this going to be more of a ground and pound kind of thing um i don't know it's uh, it's gonna be a fifty-fifty, I think, for me. I feel like Jericho's a good guy to work with him. You know, we've seen Jericho work with Tyson before, and you know, even Shaq, I think, a little bit. Jericho has worked with celebrity. You know, Green. You know, they're just coming in to try it out. They want to be a part of the show, kind of thing. Jericho always works really well with those kind of people, but Hager is an MMA guy from the rival UFC, you know, UFC Bellator. I think there's an interesting story there for, you know, when Junior gets the tag in, everything kind of stops. Hager gets the tag in, and then we see the two MMA guys kind of go at it. I think that's a a really compelling story. I wonder which way they're going to do it. Are they going to make him work with the vet and, you know, have Jericho work, help him hold his hand through it in a way or are they going to throw Hager in there and just like go at it in a way it's super compelling 
Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting how those two work together because maybe it will be a bit more stiffsky. A little bit shoot, a L- little bit shoot. Uh, let's take a look at uh, the other eight-man tag uh, that we saw this week. Jurassic Express tagging with Brian Danielson and Christian Cage going up against the elite Adam Cole, Kenny Omega, and the Young Bucks. This match started off good, quite fun, actually. And then there is the absolute botch of the year. You can write it in now. The award is won. Mistake of the year, botch of the year, Kenny Omega trying to powerbomb Luchasaurus. It was absolutely (laughs) horrid. And the match still had about eight minutes left, five to eight minutes left, and it was just trash from there on out. Like, again, it's not putting it over, but I am burying this match. It was garbage. Yeah, and uh, I have to apologize because I can't even comment on it because it seemed like (laughs) every time I looked away, that's when a spot happened. You know, I sneezed, and you're just like, botch of the year. And I'm like, "What? (laughs) what? What could have happened in a sneeze? That I missed it, but um, yeah, I still haven't went back and watched that. I'll have to go check that one out. I th- I think you also. I mean, we were watching the Jets in Calgary game that night too, so I think there was a time you looked over the Jets had just scored, and then we see that Indy taker to the outside on Christian Cage, and you know he gets stretchered out uh, of the match. We never see him again. Um, we finally got to. See, they finally played some replays uh, near the end of the match of that. It looked pretty clean. So I think this is a worked injury of some sort, maybe to write him off AEW for a while so he can concentrate on Impact because he is the Impact World Champion right now. So I wonder how that's all going to work out. It, it, it's um, I feel like it's a slippery slope for these companies. With the Forbidden Door open, it, it, it has all these opportunities, but it also creates these opportunities well. He's injured on this show, but he's fine on this show. I can see Marky Marks not seeing past that in a way. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I can already see the tweets uh, happening if if that's how things are going to work. So hopefully they don't do it that way. I mean, at least come out with a you know bandaged armor, <laughs> something, something like that. You know, I, I got to be honest, I uh, I used to be like that. When Chris Evans was cast as Captain America, I got bad. I'm like, no, he's Human Torch. He's already a Marvel character. This makes no sense. And then how many times after has it happened? You know, so I, I, I got over that kind of cynical part of my, <laughs> of my life. <laughs> so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens to Christian Cage, but that eight-man tag was absolute dog water. A little bit later on in the show, we had Hikaru Shida going up against Serena Deeb. And the story going into this one is that Shida had an opportunity to be the first woman wrestler to get to 50 wins. Um, They were really putting this over the week before. We mentioned it in the look ahead last week. We get to the show and we see a quick promo package. Um, They're going to introduce a trophy for this they had a nice glass trophy for for Sheeta had her name on it 50 wins and I'm like well that's just setting it up for a, a big disappointment uh we get into the match great match I think this is 
with Serena Deeb coming back after a long hiatus. It was great to see her again working with Sheeta. We've seen these two work together before. It's always kind of, you know, magical for for uh, lack of a better word. But this was a really great match. Uh, it highlighted these two. It Deeb doing a great job reminding everybody that she's actually a heel because she kind of came back as a heel. She she turned at double or nothing, I think it was there. And and then she disappeared for, you know, it's been like three or four months. So she did a good job of reminding everybody. She wrestled dirty. She was raking the eyes. She was doing all that great work. Um, what did you think of the match before we talk about how it finished? Well, um, I'm, the match was great. And I mean, I heard what was going to happen prior to the match. As soon as that, <laughs> I'm trophy, sorry. As soon as that trophy came out, I got the entire story of the match so i was just sort of reliving what i had already <laughs> experienced which is fine i mean it just uh, i'm just really giving you props on just knowing how that was all going to turn out and, <laughs> I, and i think they did it well and i you know i i, I think a lot of this really had to do probably with uh deep being away like this was we need people booing her you know like she's she's so great that just i don't know that people were quite hating her and i think with this move i i think they've established that now now we just need to hear a promo and you know get her talking nasty yeah for sure for those who aren't familiar with the show maybe you're new here i am a Nostradamus, it seems, when it comes to to wrestling. There was always a running joke with Damien and I when we uh, would watch Raw. And we'd always watch it a couple days later. I think Wednesday has kind of always been our wrestling night. And, uh, you know, I would call something. It would happen two or, you know, five minutes later. And Damien would absolutely blame me for already have watching watch the show and I'm like dude I swear to god I did not watch this nothing was spoiled <laughs> it happens all the time it happened here again as soon as I saw that trophy I'm like Deeb's winning and she's smashing the shit out of that trophy it's great heat it's exactly what happened I think they pulled this off perfectly um Sheeta very worked the sell job really really well and even Aubrey selling you know Deeb pulling her hand away Reacting to when she actually smashes the trophy in the ring. I think everybody involved in this segment absolutely nailed it. So who do you think she gets the 50 from? Because obviously she's going to get it at some point. Does she get it on Deeb? Like, does she get that revenge that way? I don't know. So you kind of put it out there that, okay, so she does just needs to keep losing. Because this trophy's a thing. They're going to keep bringing it out every time Sheeta walks through the, you know, steps through the ropes. Now this is a thing. I, I think they got to do that for a while. And, you know, it, it's it's a storyline that I wanted Kenny Omega to do when AEW got started. You know, he's coming over to America on national TV for the first time. Have him lose for like two years. He just can't hack it in America. I thought that was a really cool story they can still pull this off with Sheeta because of this 50 win thing. Um, to answer your question, I think it has to be deep, but not right away. I want to, I want this, I want this story to simmer for a bit. 
Yeah, I, I think it would be. I don't. Would it hurt her character too much if she lost a whole bunch of times? No, I don't. I don't think so. I think she's she's too cute and adorable and too talented for. Kind of similar to how you said, you know, people just are having a hard time booing Deeb because she's such a great wrestler. I think Sheeta has that quality as well. Um, and as long as every time Sheeta's out in the ring and Deeb, you know, inflicts something, you know, or changes or hinders her ability to win those matches, and then it just keeps building and building. I think that works. Yeah, it's going to be good TV. Uh, moving on to the opening match of Rampage. Daniel Garcia taking on CM Punk. Uh, I wasn't sure wasn't sure how I was feeling about this match just because Daniel Garcia, kind of the third wheel in 2.0, this kind of faction or whatever, it seems like it's a, it's paying off that attack that happened on uh, CM Punk's like second night in Chicago. Uh you know, it's been too long, so I didn't really feel invested in this at all. But we, we've mentioned Daniel Garcia is a tremendous wrestler. It's his character that he kind of needs work on. And this was all about the wrestling. These guys put on a, a wrestling match. And uh, I'm loving what Punk's doing uh, with his character. He's really selling the fact that he's the old dog. You know, he's he's not JFMing his beard. It's gray, you know, he's he's huffing and puffing. Um, you mentioned that uh, CM Punk talked about that on Unrestricted. It's it's a thing that he's doing. So I, I'm loving everything. And Daniel Garcia 2.0 getting involved. Like there was just some awesome sequences of all four of these people getting involved and then CM Punk ultimately getting the upper hand and and, and overcoming those those three to one odds. It was, it was a great match. Yeah, I totally agree. And you know what? I'm even going to give, uh, DG some credit here. He, I thought he did really well in the, the pre match interview. I thought he was using his big boy voice and I think he's taken some, uh, some, uh, advice from, from 2.0. Cause it, it sounded very kind of similar to that. And it was actually punk who was talking very kind of, slowly and and softly and i thought that contrast worked really well yeah that's a really good point i didn't even i didn't even kind of think of that at the time but yeah daniel garcia had some attitude you know he was saying it with his chest as uh, kevin hart would say <laughs> uh so yeah great match let's uh, take a quick look at some honorable mentions here lucha brothers versus the acclaimed for the tag team championship this was also on rampage shorter match uh it was a little quick but there were some shaky shaky parts here uh, uh the acclaimed unfortunately looking very very green with the with the obviously um you know goaded tag team uh, in AEW right now so it was it was a little tough to watch in some parts uh what did you think of the acclaimed versus lucha bros i mean i love the acclaimed getting a title shot uh, i think that's good and and i like that it's on rampage I just think that uh, the Lucha Bros are just, they work faster. And the Acclaim just couldn't keep up to how fast that is. Where, you know, a Young Bucks or Best Friends, they can keep up to that pace. Uh, these guys just, yeah, they're just too green, I guess. And it looked a little bit shaky, but, um, you know, good on them for 
for getting the shot and brothers go from here. I, I think the acclaim still get a rub for being in the championship match, which is always a good thing. So yeah, and I thought it was a good disrap at the the beginning. Got some some ooze from the crowd. He mentioned they they mentioned Rocky. You know they were in Philly, right? So it's amazing that a, a fictional character <laughs> from a movie is more over in that town than you know some of their sports teams. <laughs> it's it, like Rocky is a thing in Philadelphia. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, that is. It's like Winnie the Pooh in Winnipeg. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Uh, Jade Cargill versus Sky Blue. This was an absolute uh, squash match. I don't think Sky Blue got a single, a single uh, offensive move in here. I, I like that Sky Blue is uh, getting some TV time. You know, she she's quite over from her, you know, doing the extra work in Chicago, getting the the spot in the battle royale, and now she's you know getting into this tournament that we'll talk about a little bit later on in the show. Um, but Jade Cargill comes in here and absolutely squashes her. Uh, kind of reminding her her place in in the company. Yeah, she got one shot. It was the very first kind of physical contact that the the ladies had, but then it was an absolute domination. Um, yeah, Sky Blue needs to uh, hook up with uh, 2.0 to get her promo chops up. I think. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll talk. We'll we'll mention that again in in a little bit. But uh, again, this is kind of one of those matches. Uh, where it's all about what happens afterwards. We really focused on the 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 triple threat match last week and how Jade Cargill and the chair shots on Thunder Rosa seemed a little a little stiff. Maybe she doesn't quite hasn't quite practiced those chair shots to the back and and was hitting hitting Thunder Rosa you know really stiff. It wasn't even quite after the match. Thunder Rosa's music hits. She has that chair. Jade. Jaden and Mark Sterling uh, just just hightail it out of there. I think that's a really cool. This is a really quick spot. Like it was a quick match, and then this is a quick spot. It ties those two things together, keeps it on everybody's mind. This is a really smart booking to have Thunder Rosa run out with the chair and and not even use it. I think it worked. Yeah, and, and an actual like good run out um, because the the ramp was really long. Like it looked like a good run out. Where sometimes the runouts you don't even get to see because by the time the camera gets to them, like they're already in the ring, and so I thought this was a really good uh, kind of production-wise looked really, really good. The the runout doesn't work when the ramp comes right to the ring apron. It it just doesn't work because you don't get that slide in and 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 whatnot. So. Yeah, this worked. And then our last honorable mention was the main event from Rampage, the FTW Championship. I can't believe we're even talking about this. I'm bearing it. Ricky Starks versus Brian Cage. (laughs) Ricky Starks versus Brian Cage in a Philly street fight. I mean, this looked, and this is no disrespect to the FTW guys, to Team Taz or, or Brian Cage or anything. It really had nothing to do with them. But this street fight seemed very house show for whatever reason. I don't know what it was. It's just like, yeah, they were doing the spots. There was a nice uh, trash can spot there, but I just didn't feel the follow throughs like maybe you see in, uh, you know, that we saw in the uh, Menorah, the Suzuki Goon versus Moxley and Kingston. You know, some of these other kind of hardcore matches that we've seen in AEW on Dynamite, 
this one just didn't quite match up with it. I don't think it has anything to do with them. I just think they were just working a really safe hardcore match and it kind of came out that way. Yeah, uh, you know what? I never thought about that when I was watching this, but now that you say it, yeah, it's it was totally that. To me, they, they just, I am not believing that there is a hate here. I, and I, and if I had to like pick, I, I think it's Brian Cage. I, I don't think he's quite the actor. He, he doesn't have the facial expressions. Like I'm not, you know, when, when we saw Suzuki and Moxley, like you could tell, like they were in each other's faces and their jaw jacking and all of that. And it, we didn't get any of that here. It was just, they were just kind of going through the motions. Ricky tries to save it. No gigs a little bit and for that effect, but I don't know that it did enough for for the match. So um wasn't terrible. Like wasn't terrible, just not a good street fight. Yeah, yeah, no. They they put on an absolutely great show. It's just yeah, it was just lacking that like you say, that hatred in a way. Uh I gotta really put over the ending to this though. I thought they did a really good job. It was nine fifty nine and there's a big spot where Brian Cage looks like he, or um, sorry, Hook and, and Hobbs are involved. There's a belt shot. Brian Cage looks like he's out and about, or out for the count. Um, one, two, and a very last second kick out by Cage. And I'm like, holy smokes, Like I thought this match was over. And then they went for like another two minutes. I, I think my clock on the on the computer might be off a little bit, but this, this was really cool. And then we get another false finish, uh, with Ricky Starks kicking out on Brian cage. So, you know, they, they really tied everything together really, really well. Yeah. Well, you know, Tony listens to the show and he, he hears how we're using the time to predict what the endings <laughs> are going to be. So he's just mixing it up to, you know, get us thinking. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right, this week's match of the week was the casino ladder match from Dynamite. It was the main event. Uh, We had six confirmed uh, entrants. We had Orange Cassidy, Pac, Andrade, Matt Hardy, Lance Archer, and John Moxley with a Joker to be determined. They came out in that order. We started off with Cassidy and Pac. Um, What did you think of their choice to do these guys one at a time you know for a multi-man ladder match it felt weird i mean i guess that's how they did the casino ladder match when brian cage debuted and it it really just uh, facilitates for that joker reveal right but i feel like the royal rumble style for a ladder match like this doesn't quite work yeah, no, I totally agree because uh, at one point, I can't remember who it was, but they totally could have went for the chip and then couldn't. You know they weren't going to go for it because the Joker hadn't even come out yet. So right. um, I don't I, I Maybe the format needs to change that the, the chip drops down when all the competitors are there. Right, because it just looks too goofy when they got a chair yeah. there, no one's around, and then they don't even climb the ladder because they can't yet. 
Right, right. Um, if they did it like war game style, you know, because they do the countdown before every competitor comes in, and then the match doesn't actually even start until everybody's in the match. If you do it that way, then it kind of makes sense. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, the commentary did try to put that aspect over. Like, this match can end before everybody's even out there. But I, I just don't think that worked. I think that was a weird a weird aspect to, to the match. Um, another kind of fail on this is that I don't think we got to see Lance Archer's entrance. It happened during commercial break which I, I don't think that should happen. And especially when we see the replay and I mean, he came out and he was laying out young boys on the side, the crew members, which, you know, you know, he likes to do. So uh, like we need to see that live and, and the reactions of the crowd, not just in replay. Yeah. If, if this was WWE, we would have heard JR say, uh, we're taking our last commercial break. You know, we're going to be here till the very end. Uh, that's what they needed to do here with the two minutes in between or three minutes or whatever it was. Uh, you can't put a commercial in there. Or you're going to be missing something something big. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so everybody's kind of getting in here. There's a big spot when Moxley, the last entrant before the Joker comes out, Lance Archer immediately stops what he's doing to go meet him in the crowd. They have uh, a brawl for basically the next two minutes. Uh, the focus was really on them leading into that Joker reveal, which happened to be Hangman Adam Page. Uh, called it last week. Bonus points already on the board for full gear. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was your what, what are your thoughts on Page being the uh, being the Joker? Is it just blatantly obvious or was it kind of surprising um i i think i was surprised only in that we we kind of knew why he wasn't there and might have expected him to be a little bit longer but um with all of the new people you know and bobby fish you know maybe it made more sense to have somebody return rather than sort of a debut so um yeah either way you know, great to have Hangman back, and um, he was a good kind of fit for this. I, Orange Cassidy is kind of the odd man out, and he's he really still was. not even the odd man because Pac kind of didn't let him do his gimmick, and so he actually kind of, you know, did more of the wrestling part. So I thought that was cool. Yeah, we, we've seen Cassidy work with Pac a couple times actually now, and these two really work well together. It was kind of the big question when Cassidy was getting that shot at Pac. I think it was the very first revolution where they first had a match, and that's where they really started telling this story about when Orange Cassidy tries, you know, he's a force to be reckoned with. And they continued that in this match. Uh, I, th I thought Cassidy worked well with Pac, and then we got some Matt Hardy stuff to continue that feud because we know Matt Hardy doesn't like Orange Cassidy right now. Uh, and ends that their kind of portion of this match with a huge leg drop off of a ladder through a table on Orange Cassidy. Matt Hardy hits. That was a huge, that was kind of the start of all the big spots of the match now that everybody's in. Right. And then he got destroyed by Moxie later on. Like Orange Cassidy took a beating. Yeah, he match. really did. He was he was the Sammy Guevara of this match. Uh, keeping on the big spots, Pack and Andrade on the top turnbuckle. 
pack hits Andrade with a headbutt, and he jumps backwards and goes through a ladder that's kind of bridged across the uh, the apron and the barricade, maybe, or maybe it was kind of on an angle. I can't really remember how exactly it was set up, but it was a nasty, nasty fall. Uh, I could see an abrasion on his one shoulder, like right away the way he slid down the ladder after it kind of falls. Um, this is leading to a worked injury, I believe, where Andrade is blaming AEW, blaming Pac for suffering this injury in a match that he didn't really think he should have been in is kind of where he's going. Uh, just more bitching and whining from Andrade here. I mean, this guy is worse than Taz at this point, I feel. Yeah, that's uh, really the only criticism I have for Andrande uh, because this spot, like, I don't think many guys are going to take this type of bump. Um, so for for Pretty Boy to do it and, and whatnot, I'm like, all right, this is what we want to see. And then the social media stuff, you know, just be a wrestler, just you're going to get revenge on Pac. I'll see you next Tuesday. I'll see you in the parking lot. What, yeah. <laughs> whatever one you want to do. Uh, I don't know why I said Tuesday. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, this whole kind of blaming and I'm going to get my lawyer and you know all this stuff is, it's, I don't know. I'm it, over it's, it. It's gotten old fast for sure. And now potentially, you know, this will be, you know, Christmas time when we're doing our moments of the year awards. The, the we'll probably do something like this this year. Um, this was the holy shit moment of the year. Like it, it's definitely nominated. Adam Page hitting Pack with a dead eye off the ladder through a table in the ring. The way Pack landed was very vertical we'll say uh it looked like he got his shoulders down and stuff like that but it still looked like a really it made me cringe this was a a holy shit moment like i think i actually said holy shit yeah i mean it happened so fast but it, it did not look good he i watched him like after this he like he was able to roll out of the ring um i don't know i don't remember seeing him again though I think he was he was done for the night after that. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, this is very comparable to the spot we saw at All In with Paige and Janella. Janella taking the dead eye off the ladder. I feel like I feel like what was different. Um, you can argue either way if this made the move better or worse, but with the Janella spot, the table was on the same side that they were jumping off of. So it was more of a falling backward. It was more of a falling to the side type thing where this spot with Pac, it really seemed like it, it felt like Paige had to jump like over the ladder in a way. Like he had to kind of go out and forward, which made it really awkward. And maybe that lent to the way Pac had to fall a little bit more vertically where with the Janela one, he could he could land a little bit flatter on his back. I think all of these spots on the ladder are just not good because they can't jump off the ladder without kind of kicking it out from themselves. So 
So they're more kind of stepping off, and I think it's harder to get momentum to be turning or spinning in the air. Um, so it's just that much more dangerous. Hopefully, Pac is is okay. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. So yeah, you mentioned Pac was kind of out of it there. Page does some quick stuff with Mox and and Archer really quick, but ultimately he is the one to climb the ladder and take the poker chip down. He wins an AEW World Championship uh, matchup at, at, at a timing of his choosing. We see later on in the night during the Roads to the Top show, Tony Schiavone interviewing Paige. Uh, Paige just not interested in talking chop here. He just wants to drink beer and, and kind of celebrate his win and celebrate the birth of his uh, new son. What did you think of this interview spot? Um, I, I kind of liked it, and I think it's uh, kind of cool that they did it during uh, the show there. Um, I think the best uh, best thing that I liked about it is Hangman's still in his old character. Still kind of doing the beer gimmick thing. He's still kind of very standoffish to anybody who's interviewing him. And outright tells... Tony, hey, you know what? You're asking a lot of questions, and uh, I don't have a lot of answers. So, uh, hey, God bless it. <laughs> and walked out with his his poker chip and about five beers in his hand. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was it was a great main event. I, I feel like they were also rushed for time. Like a match like this really isn't suited for weekly TV. This definitely needed to be on a pay-per-view, but it's still cool that they're trying to do these huge matches on their weekly TV. It it makes people want to watch, so so that's really good. I just, you know, it, it's kind of a catch twenty-two. You know, yeah, you're you're putting on these huge matches that like mean something, and it brings eyes to weekly TV, but also you're kind of hindering the the talent uh, for their ability to actually pull these matches off. So. I feel like AEW's balancing it, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe the old school way is is just better. Sometimes, yeah. Maybe we're getting to scary territory where do we buy the pay per view when we're getting these quality of matches on the regular show? Um, is it going to get to that point? Right, right. All right, let's uh, keep the show rolling here. Let's get into putting it over. First item I'm putting it over is uh, BTE has uh, the best thing going right now <laughs> with uh, 2.0 Matt Lee and Jeff Parker, and they have this segment now called News of the Week. I, I hope this is gonna be a mainstay. I mean, anything 2.0 I'm putting over because these guys are absolutely hilarious. They could have their own channel. Uh, and I would watch it. I would subscribe. I would donate money. Uh, they got to do it. I'm putting it over. hundred uh, percent. These guys since day one have been entertaining us and just bringing back that old school attitude, that old school energy. And I just absolutely love watching these guys. Um, I feel like Jeff Parker is getting a little bit more comfortable. I feel like Matt Lee was really outshining him in the first little bit, but you know, working on BTE now, he's getting that kind of 
freedom, I guess, and, and his his personality is really coming out. I'm also putting it over. This week on Dark, Santana Garrett, uh, ex-NXT uh, talent. She was making her debut on on in AEW. These happened at the Orlando tapings a few weeks ago. She was taking on Diamante. Uh, she got to do a promo uh, interview at the beginning of, of, of a Dark a couple weeks ago. So they, they've really spread this story out even though this happened three four weeks ago we're just kind of getting the blow off now she takes on diamante in her debut match but loses um i i I watched this match i haven't seen a lot of santana garrett i remember when we reported on her getting released i was like i'm not really sure who this girl is but you know she was part of the list Uh, i checked it out she's actually a really awesome wrestler she's a, a a a bigger girl fit girl uh bright colored kind of costume she has a lot of character to her so uh i'm hoping that this leads to more uh you know similar to kira hogan where she comes in works a match she loses a bunch but it eventually leads to her getting signed you know i'm really looking forward to more santana garrett yeah we need more more uh seasoned uh women in the division it will help everybody you know uh, the likes of uh sky blue and, and whatnot so uh yeah i'm putting I'm... yeah i didn't mention that i i also put it over <laughs> <laughs> uh next up we got uh tony khan clarifying the whole uh evp demotion stuff that was going on online and um He's replying with that, yeah, this happened, but it happened two years ago. And, you know, why are we talking about it now? It doesn't make any sense and and whatnot. So, um, I mean, I'm putting it over. I'm glad he's sort of responding to the Marky Marks and uh, putting them in their place and not denying anything, which I think, you know, Vanilla likes to do. They like to just kind of deny the things that, people aren't liking or things that they're doing and faced it head on and just said, yeah, yeah, it happened, but it happened a long time ago and rest and why are we even talking about it? Yeah. Vanilla brand very much likes to hide behind the curtain when it comes to stuff like this. Um, so yeah, definitely putting Tony Khan over simply for the fact for my insights being, you know, true know that that i kind of had a, a grasp on what was going on here i didn't believe the stories right from the get-go and and i called i called all these instagram journalists out for it uh last week if, if you guys haven't listened to the show you can check out my comments there tony khan absolutely just you know making me I, what i can't think of the word i want to it's not agree but you know what i mean like he i was right and I got to put that over and just absolutely bury the Instagram journalists once again, because you, am I hearing this correctly? You're putting yourself over. I'm putting myself okay. over. Okay. I didn't know we could do that. I'm my own biggest Mark. Uh, CM Punk in ring promo. Oh, this was on dynamite. Um, so CM Punk coming out to the ring on dynamite, uh, challenging Daniel Garcia. So this was this was some of the worst 
in-ring mic stuff I've ever seen CM Punk do. I don't know. There was something. He just got caught up in the moment, I think, was really connecting with the crowd. There was long, long moments, 30 seconds of just him breathing it in kind of thing. And it was very, it was very rock 2006 coming back to promote a movie. And I, I never really enjoyed that part of the rock. He just came out there and said his catchphrases. And, and that's kind of what this felt like. Although there were no catchphrases, I just feel like CM Punk really didn't tell us anything new. So unfortunately I am burying CM Punk for this promo spot. Okay. Okay. I, uh, I'll admit that when I first watched this, I th- I thought the same thing, but I'm going to take the way of this is CM Punk's genius because by doing this, it gave Garcia something to come back at him with. And in his rampage promo, Garcia says, yeah, like, we're over you already. Uh, you just come to the ring, and you're just, you know, just feeling the admiration of the crowd, and you don't really add anything to this. So, you know, I'm going to take you out kind of thing. So I felt like that crappy thing led to some really good stuff for Garcia here. Maybe it wasn't planned, but I'm going to assume it is, so I'm going to put it over. Cool, cool, cool. All right, next up we got... The acclaimed uh, video promo, uh, doing a promo against the Lucha Brothers for uh, Rampage, and um, I, I honestly, I can't even remember what this. Uh, they were in the stairway, right? That we see them do, and they just kind of quit. Did a quick rap about the Lucha Brothers and challenging them to, to the. Uh, AEW championships there and uh they did some kind of rhyme and then there was a mic drop and you know i honestly don't really remember it too i just had it in there because i i needed something to bury so <laughs> I, and i guess the fact i can't remember it means i just i have to bury it yeah 100 even, <laughs> even though i like the acclaimed yeah i know that like i i totally remember this promo not being the best work they've ever done and and then it led to kind of a mediocre performance in the ring as we talked about earlier so yeah i'm burying it too uh tony Schiavone comes out to the ring to announce a new championship in aew and it ends up being a tbs championship now the way i i i gotta put over the way they they structured this announcement because they announced that it's a new championship and then they announced it's the tbs championship and we're like, wait a minute. We already have a TV, uh, like a TNT championship. It's kind of the TNT title. But then they announced that it will be for the women's division, which, I mean, we've never seen this before. WWE has never had that, you know, uh, I'm not saying mid-card, but lack of a better term, a mid-card belt, you know, for the women's division. So we're finally going to get to see that. And with uh, Dynamite moving to TBS in January, you know, TNT gets a title for Rampage. I'm assuming that belt will only be defended on Rampage, which I think is really cool. And this championship will only be defended on Dynamite, which I think is awesome too. So I'm totally putting this championship over. Later on in the night, we get the announcement that the inaugural 
TBS Championship will happen in a tournament format and we get four confirmed competitors for that tournament, Ruby Soho, Sky Blue, Thunder Rosa, and Jade Cargill. And each of these girls got to do a quick little blurb, a quick little promo spot. And as we mentioned earlier in the show, something Sky Blue needs to needs to work on is, uh, is uh, channeling her inner Matt Leah, I think, a little bit. Absolutely, because when she did her promo, she kind of did it like this, and she was like very quiet, and and, and then she kind of ended it, and it was just like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. Um, yeah, I mean this uh, this tournament's gonna be good. Uh, I'm I'm excited for this, and if I had to pick one of these four ladies to to be the first one, um, my pick is Thunder Rosa. I, I think uh, I think she she needs the belt. I think she's going to be a first good inaugural champion for for this title. Yeah, I agree. I'm putting the whole, <laughs> I'm putting the TBS championship over, but I got to bury everybody calling it the Hose Championship. That's, I mean, you know, sometimes in the design world, just things <laughs> happen. Don't, by don't work work yeah. out. Um, you ruined it for me. I can. I can't not see it now. Right, right. <laughs> All right. Next up, we got uh, the the Dark Order bit. I'm assuming you mean on the dynamite. one on, on Dynamite. Yeah. They're not one on BT. I'm trying to think of which one is this the one with um... Tony Schiavone was in the back. They were talking about how they were unified once again, and then all of a sudden they started arguing uh, between Reynolds and Silver and Owens and or, uh, Uno and Grayson, and things were starting to break up uh, again. Anna Jay was the one who spoke up and, and got everybody back on track, kind of snapped them out of it. Okay. Okay, I thought that was BT. No, that was definitely Dynamite. All right. Um, I remember that Silver was... A big, a big part of that one. Um, I, I'm, I'll put over the fact that I, I liked how they made reference to Alan Angels in, yeah. you know, him removing the mask, and then Silver said, "Hey, you should put it back on the mask because you're kind of ugly." And then they said, "Hey, people online think that we look the same, so if I'm ugly, you're ugly." You know, like that whole thing. Yeah. I, I think that was all good. I'm bearing Anna J. Really, I, I hate to do it. I, I I don't like her facial expressions, her lip thing that she does. It's always the same. I think she's I think she's nervous around the camera. I don't think she's quite comfortable, and until she gets there, yeah, it just it didn't turn out well that part. I I'm putting Anna J over on this spot just because. She was kind of doing what I what I wanted her to do in bringing the Dark Order kind of back together. So she's starting to embrace that leadership role in a way. Yes, I admit she is a little bit shaky. Uh, I think they've dropped the ball with Anna Jay in a way with her being on being the elite. And she never really said anything like her parts were just physical, you know, beating up Stu Grayson and stuff like that. BTE is a perfect opportunity for some of these greener talent to work on being in front of the camera 
and talking and stuff like that. And maybe Anna Jay needed to do that more, especially when she was injured. You know, she could have been on the show. She could have been practicing that. So I, I get where you're coming from, but she's uh, embracing the leadership role uh, in the Dark Order, which I love putting that over. Uh, we do a Dante Martin interview in the ring with Tony Schiavone. I got to absolutely bury Dante Martin here for two reasons. Again, young talent, not comfortable on the mic. He needs work. I mean, I, Barry is a harsh word in this moment. You know, you got to encourage the kid, but he's got some work to do. But never, ever take the mic away <laughs> from the interviewer. That's not what wrestling is. It's not. Like, again, this this leads back to our jokes uh, uh, at the end of last month where Shivani's only job is to get the microphone into the ring for the people to take it. Like, stop taking the mic out of Shivani's hands. I'm burying it. What I will put over, though, is the way they did the Malachi Black attack. Um, and I'm interested to see where this leads. Is Malachi Black just going to be doing these one-off where it's just kind of these young guys just attacking the young guys. And then that leads into Cody kind of coming back finally and, and getting that win over, over Malachi or, or what is this going to be a legitimate feud? I doubt it, but I like where Malachi's character's going and just attacking anybody. This was awesome. Putting it over. I'm going to put over everything. I, I thought Dante Martin, this was his best mic stuff. Um, so I see improvement. Whereas Anna Jay, I don't really see the improvement myself. Um, so I, I thought he was a little bit better here than he has been in the past. But yes, I'll agree. He's still very green. And, uh, you know, this segment had me. The lights went off and I wasn't sure what was going on. I, I, I feel like this could have been a few different people just because Dante Martin's kind of been, you know, spread around a little bit here and then when the lights come on i'm like oh of course it's malachi black and then of course you know what's gonna happen it's gonna be uh uh black mass but i like that they went back to the mist if that's what's gonna keep us holding on to the the cody relationship there then i, I think all of that is cool putting it over all right next up we have the uh jr interview with uh darby allen um, why don't I remember any of these things? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They were sitting down before the show kind of thing and uh, talking about the face paint and what it all meant. Okay, right. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I wasn't into this. We've heard all of this before. This seemed, it seemed like a reminder. And and that's probably what it's, it, its intention was for. But... I don't know. Uh, why do we keep going back to it? It's it's like this is all Darby has is this face pain thing. Uh, that that part I'm gonna I'm gonna. Yeah, I I think this was really just because MJF brought up the the accident, the the true the real life kind of situation, which you know Darby's character's backstory is stemmed from so i felt like i felt like they felt like they needed to to mention it again and it does come off for the people who have been around and know darby yeah this is like old hat already we we get it so i completely agree with um with barry in that 
this leads into a match against Nick Camarado of the Factory. Uh, this was an okay match. It was a classic Derby match going up against a much bigger wrestler, uh, but him overcoming the odds and winning. I th- I think I think Factory tried to get involved with this, but you know Sting was out there to kind of counteract and keep things on point. Um, so I'm I'm gonna put the Darby Allen match over the attack afterwards. QT Marshall coming in and attacking Sting from behind the the diamond cutter, the no sell into the Scorpion Death Drop again, very similar to the backstory of Darby Allen. I'm 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 kind of getting tired of the same old thing, um, unless they start explaining that Sting is going back to uh, you know a, a supernatural type of gimmick, you know Undertaker, you know '97 Sting where he was you know vanishing and stuff like that. If they start writing that kind of stuff in, then maybe I can get on board. But I mean, this is just this is just no selling and. Uh, you know, that doesn't really work every week. So I'm burying that. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I kind of like the, uh, the QT part. I don't know. I can't remember why, but I remember really reacting well to it. I think it's just cause it's QT. <laughs> you know I get what it. I, mean? I get it. Um, so it just kind of buries it even more. Um, but all of this leads to uh, the end of the show, or closer to the end of the show anyways, where uh, Alex Marvez is trying to catch up with Darby leaving the arena, and uh, a limo pulls up, and I don't know, I got the sense here, I don't know about you, but it's almost as if Darby knew who, who this was, and like, you know, put his skateboard down, put his backpack down, he's, you know, getting ready to fight. And um, then gets attacked from behind. Um, is that the sense that you got that Darby already knew who this was? Because early on into this, I actually didn't have any clue who this was. Well, so the inter- when Marvez stops Allen, he mentions that MJF has challenged him to a match. And... Darby Allen says it's about time. All he had to do is ask. And then that's when, you know, the tires screech and pull up. So I think, I think, yeah, it, it makes sense that Darby Allen had an idea who this was going to be because it, MGF was just mentioned. I love that uh, the commentary during this whole attack. I mean, we all know it was the pinnacle. We all know, but <laughs> the, the commentary did such a good job of just like, I can't believe they're just getting attacked by the, who are these men in, in black masks? And, and they totally sold it. And uh, that's always fun. We all know it was them. I mean, no one wears that tight of pants than Cash Wheeler. Like, it's just, it's just, uh, and then that chair shot. No one can swing a chair like that except for the chairman. So it all makes sense. And, you know, Wardlow couldn't, couldn't hide in a gorilla you know, enclosure, like the guy is just, he, he stands out like a sore thumb. So I, I really liked this attack. Uh, I thought, I don't think we've ever had something like this uh, yet in AEW. Maybe, maybe that stuff with Nick Jackson uh, in the inner circle, that, that was kind of a thing, but uh, they did this really well. And I was totally expecting Darby to get hit by the limo. 
And I wonder if they'll try to go there at some point. Right, right. So I'm putting it over. Yeah, I'm putting this part over as well. Um, I, 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 I like the touch of, I can't remember who it was, but someone grabbed the camera and they were following along a little bit. And then later on, we, we didn't get that view of the camera. But then when Darby gets laid out, he's laying in front of the camera and you get that really cool shot from the ground. Whoever thought that up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then our last little bit for putting it over this week is Corvette making, making a name for himself once again as he buries Leo Rush coming to AEW. He had some pretty strong comments and opinions on Leo Rush's signing. What I have to bury <laughs> is the fact that all the points in which he named why this was a bad signing for AEW is kind of everything we said about Leo Rush. And uh, the, the the really specific thing is, is that I think it was you who said it first, is that if Leo comes in as a manager, he would be so awesome at it. And then to hear Corvette say that, it kind of made me chuckle. I, I don't even know whether to put this over or to bury it that, you know, it seems like as the weeks go on, we are becoming more and more like uh, our, our our old friend Corvette. So uh, I'm not sure what to say about that. But to comment on the second time we see Leo Rush, which we didn't talk about last week, but he had a, another promo. It did, or sorry, I, I guess that happened on Dynamite. It did seem like he is steering more towards a managerial point. So if if Leo's coming to terms with, you know, I just can't quite hack it as a as a in ring competitor. You know, we 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 heard him retire after his injury there. That's awesome. I think he will kill it as that, and I am giving him one hundred percent of my focus to to change my mind on him. Uh, we see it again tonight on on Rampage as he's standing there with Dante Martin and Matt Seidel, and it looks like he might be taking both these guys under his wing as he agents a match for next for next week on Dynamite in Miami as CM Punk will take on Matt Seidel. So I, I, I will put Leo Rush over here because he is kind of teasing to the way of, of being a manager, which I think he's well-suited for. Right, right. I mean, I got to put over the fact that we, we probably have now more clout with Corey than we ever had. <laughs> Shout out to Corey. Um, yeah, I mean, if this is what it turns out to be for Leo Rush, then I, I'm definitely open to, 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 you know, accepting that. One thing that I, I just kind of thought of as as you were talking was he's going about this gimmick so he's talking about how he's this man okay and then i'm thinking hey isn't that mark sterling's gimmick that he's this businessman and then well, wait a minute isn't that also matt hardy's gimmick <laughs> yeah. so i don't know i i just i was all for it until i just thought of all of that not to ruin it or anything is that what like the like like let's take jimmy hart for example was he the businessman or was he just 
was a hype a man. Mouthpiece. He was a hype man and a mouthpiece. So, you know, we had DiBiase. He's kind of that businessman, rich person, whatever. Like, maybe take the same thing, but change it a little bit. I don't know. Maybe he just needs to make it his own thing. But we have a, a lot of businessmen in AEW right now. So that I'm going to bury. True, true. All right, uh, second anniversary show. It was, um, as as far as anniversary shows go, it wasn't the best Dynamite. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like they did a better job celebrating one year on TNT last year. This year was a, a little bit weak. There were some great spots of the show. There were some, you know, the, the segments were kind of lacking as we basically buried all of the, I mean, at least I did buried all the promo segments this week, but, um, it, it is a special thing. We are two years in on AEW dynamite. We have a, a second show on Fridays. I think AEW is absolutely killing it. They're doing it right. And they're making names for themselves outside of professional wrestling which i think is awesome so i mean happy anniversary to aew please keep giving us more i can't wait to for the third year absolutely and um i saw a tweet earlier today that said you know what it's been 20 years finally vince mcmahon has some actual competition and um i think even have to admit that that AEW is competition. They're doing things the right way. They're getting the talent and um, they're making the deals and man, they are putting wrestling back on the map and hearing things like wow coming back and all of that I think is all a product of AEW getting people hyped up about wrestling again. Fantastic. 100%. Uh, looking forward to next week's Dynamite. It will be Saturday night, so uh, just keep that in mind. There, there will be no wrestling on Wednesday. Um, that will probably lead us to do the show a day later. But we'll, I mean, we'll keep you posted on Twitter. Uh, the big, I'm assuming this will either be the opening match or the big main event. But six man tag match, Inner Circle versus America Top te- America Top Team. Uh, Jericho Hager Guevara versus Ethan Page, Scorpio Sky, and making his pro wrestling debut, Junior Dos Santos. I think it's going to be a great show back in Miami. Uh, I just I think they're in that same arena that they were that first show in Miami. So I'm I'm really I'm really sketched out on if we're going to get that weird camera angle from behind the entrances again. I didn't like that. Oh right, right, yeah. That's that's gonna suck. That's gonna suck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we'll 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 see how it goes. The the show in Miami was awesome. It was kind of the first show back with fans. It was the first show on the road, so that was all really cool. So was I'm, that I'm, the way in? No, it was not. Oh. No, the way in was <laughs> Daly's place. <laughs> uh that segment sucked. That's that's winning an award. Would would you consider the way in a botch or just worst segment? Like what 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 are we nominating? The weigh-in for. <laughs> it's not um, really a botch. It was just right. It was just a bad segment. Worse use of a prop. <laughs> okay, I, I think this is a good idea. I'm looking forward to Christmas week when we do the uh, year-end awards. The IWP. We'll we'll have to think of a name. Tweet. T- 
tweet us at impromptu Jeff at impromptu Damien. What should we call the IWP awards? With that being said, thanks for listening, everybody. We are available on all major podcast networks, Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcasts from. Leave us a subscribe. Leave us those five-star ratings. It really helps the channel out and uh, really helps us grow. We'll catch you all next week when we're in Miami. Peace.